0: Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Good Friday afternoon and happy March. What's up? Welcome in Grant and Danny on 106.7 The Fan. I don't want to pull the wool over anybody's eyes, Danny. We are not sitting side by side. No, today we're not, do. sadly, my friend. I will be in my basement making sure that, if anything's lingering, Danny and our producers, Daris and Ryan, don't get it. After a tough day on the I.L. yesterday, I'm feeling better. I feel well enough to do the show with you, but I am working from the home office, as it were. What's up, buddy?
2: Bookshelf guy today, my friend. Bookshelf guy today. That's totally fine. It's the right call, especially with a little... uh, There's a trip coming up, I think. I think the lads are going to take up some space on some flights down to a little place called West Palm Beach. And you guys are leaving very soon, so it's best not to infect the folks so we, uh, we're we not sick down there.
1: That was my big concern, Yeah, to be completely honest. Not mm-hmm. only for myself getting on that bird and flying to West Palm Beach, but this has been very much like a one-day ordeal. Every person in my house had it for one day, and they were better the next day. I was a little concerned about the fellas if their one-day came the day of the flight or maybe when we were in west palm but knock on wood right now i think everybody's feeling all right
2: yeah there is nothing worse having gone through it i think like a lot of people there is nothing worse than being sick on a plane like that that is as bad as like when you're when you're stuck you can't go anywhere you feel you feel guilty cuz you're ruining it for everybody else they're all doing the like the, Ew, this guy and you're like yep here's me i need another bag please <laughs> i'm just i'm still engaging in the pukes it's so bad
1: No fun at all. Uh, Yesterday, I'm sure, was a lot of fun, though. There was tons to talk about. You got a respite of not having to deal with your boys, so I'm sure it was a good time for everybody. Uh, Lots to get into, though, on the commander's front. I do just want to say really quickly today, the Caps have one of their biggest games of the year tonight. They're playing the Flyers at home. I kind of think over the next three contests, they need at least four points to not sell and to feel like they've got a legitimate chance at the postseason. But the Flyers are six points ahead of them in the Metro. The team that they're chasing within the division, if they can climb over Philly as the number three team in the division, they would get into the playoffs. So a regulation win tonight with two games in hand. They'd be in control of their own destiny. They'd be in a really good spot. Massive game for them. They gave up a touchdown and a two-point conversion. Ugly. In Detroit last time out in their last really big game. This one's at home, though. It's a much more uh, tolerable, kind of stomachable opponent, if you will. they got to find a way tonight to get a regulation win if they're going to be serious about making a playoff push.
2: Yeah, and not the second leg of a back-to-back after traveling the night before. So that's that's one of those built-in, it'd be nice if you won, but you understand you know, th- th- there might be kind of a built-in loss of that schedule thing there. This is huge. I mean, because there have been a couple times where we're going, okay, this is a marquee game. I mean, there's 82 of them. You, you can't get too high, too low for the player sense. But if you're an evaluator, if you're a person like us that are watching these things with great interest, you're going, all right, this one's more significant than the November tilt at Montreal. This one matters an awful lot because, as you said, the calendar, I think it's March 8th, right? I mean, we're it's a week from the day uh, that the, the trade deadline is. So we need to know, what are we doing? Last year, there was kind of that, uh, to borrow a word, the recalibration. We're, we're using that word recalibration now, where they they sold some ancillary parts to to try to better themselves for the future. I think they did that. I could see something very similar happening uh, regardless if they end up with two points tonight or not. But, yeah, I mean, this is a a tenuous position for them to be in.
1: The other thing that happened while I was out yesterday, James Wood hit another home run. Yes, he did. That's three, my friend, Mm -hmm. in six spring training games. I'm getting a bunch of tweets. I'm sure you are as well. A lot of people asking, is there any way this kid breaks camp in the big leagues? And my answer has just been to – You know, pat people on the head and say, they're there. That's so cute. That's precious. At some point, though, if he continues playing like this, I don't think we're at that point a week into spring training. But there could be a point if he's batting 500 and homering every couple of games that all of a sudden that dialogue's got to begin. Remember, as of two seasons ago, if you keep one of your best prospects, they've got to rank in the top 50 in baseball. And James Wood does. He's in the top five or ten, depending on where you're looking. But if you keep them at the major league level, going into the season on opening day, and then they win the Rookie of the Year award, you get gifted, basically just as an incentive to do so, a first-round pick. It happened for the Mariners two years ago for the first time with Julio Rodriguez. It happened up 95 this past year with Gunnar Henderson in Baltimore. So there would be at least incentive that didn't used to exist for the Nationals to keep him at the major league level, I don't quite think we're there yet. And again, it's going to take a couple more weeks like this for me to start joining in to that discussion because they're just not going to be very good this year. And it doesn't really make a ton of sense to kind of start his clock at the big league level this year uh, at on opening day, having said that. What an amazing spring he's having. But he looks like a completely different guy from last year. So obviously, Just two strikeouts in yeah. his first 15 at-bats.
2: Yeah, obviously more homers than strikeouts, unbelievable. Um, the, the tape measure bombs that he's hitting, unbelievable. But to me, GP, my favorite thing that he's done is a room service. We talked about this on the show yesterday a little bit. A room service three-hopper to the third baseman who shifted over a little bit in the hole, uh, in that 5-6 hole where normally a right-hander is going to pull a ball for a base hit. But the third baseman shifted over. This isn't like a slow roller. It's not a swing and bunt where you have to just put it in your pocket. This is a room service, easy routine chopper right to the guy's chest. No, Not on the run, not you know deep in the hole, nothing crazy about the play. Third baseman it, looks up, and has an oh my God look on his face because James Wood's already at first base. James Wood is already half a step away from the bag. He rushes the throw, it goes away, and everybody kind of can't believe it. It reminded me years ago of the one of uh, the early Ichiro Suzuki games where Derek Jeter takes a bullet, a two hopper, you know, fields it calmly, picks up and looks, and, and Suzuki's almost at first base, and he barely throws him out. And guess as he's throwing around the infield, he goes, "Wow!" And everybody saw it. It was like you know Ichiro's welcome to the big leagues moment. That's what that was. Someone that massive should not be moving that way. What we know about human beings that shouldn't be happening, and it did. And I'm I'm sitting there jaw agape, GP.
1: Yeah, we're talking here this week as the NFL combines ongoing, and you know if you're big what oh, would his and combine fast, numbers be? It, oh, I mean that's what I'm. That's kind of where I'm going, right? Is if they did something like that for baseball, and they now have started doing that, by the way. But it, it would just be off the charts, incredible, like an all-time combine performance in terms of size and speed. Yeah. he is. Uh, not human in, in the way he moves at his size. And you see it the first time you go watch him in a minor league park. There was a, a stat this week at spring training where he was clocked beating out an infield uh, ground ball. It may have been the one you were just referencing. I'm not sure. Basically at the same speed Corbin Carroll ran on average from home to first last year, Corbin Carroll, young star with the Diamondbacks. Who's a played, star,
2: but half his size.
1: Yeah, in the World <laughs> Series. He's basically five, eight and a half, maybe 5'9" you know, 180 pounds or whatever he is. Mm -hmm. But he's the second fastest player from home to first in the big leagues. Second fastest. And James Wood's time, he was clocked at, obviously digging to try to beat it out, uh, was right there. So that plus 40 home run power, you can see why the Padres loved him and now the Nationals love him. Very, very exciting times in West Palm. We're flying down there, as Danny said, tomorrow. Uh, Speaking of the combine, though, we got to start with the quarterback class talking today because – I don't know if you were following this like I was, but one QB today after another went to the podium, and you get grilled on all kinds of things. We're finding out who's a flat earther, you know, who thinks <laughs> birds aren't real. Right. Some guy yesterday was saying he thinks birds recharge on power lines because he's never seen a baby bird. Like Some of this is a little wacky, and we could probably do without. But from a commanders, which quarterback are they taking standpoint, I think today was very interesting. Here's the most notable thing. That was shared by every quarterback that spoke to the media today. Williams, May, Daniels, Penix, McCarthy, Bo Nix. Not one of the big six. When asked about their meeting with the commanders, Danny, mentioned Josh Harris. Not one. Great. They were asked about the meetings. They talked about Dan Quinn. They brought up. Cliff Kingsbury, they referenced to Vita Pritchard. I mean, the, the conversations, oh, I really hit it off with Quinn, or I, I loved how they did the interview this way, or Adam Peters' name came up. Nobody mentioned the owner, Josh Harrison. I'm sure you talked about it on the show yesterday. Obviously, I was uh, on the IL and wasn't able to listen, I I tweeted about this. I I don't know what your take was. I I thought that story was way overblown. He's a first-time owner trying to learn the NFL. My sources told me that Adam Peters invited him and asked him to come out to the Combine to watch the process anyway. Having said that, uh, the the, the reiteration from the QBs today that it it wasn't like, yeah, I met with Josh Harris and he's – Ask me this question. I think that if you were a little bit nervous, and I understand that we're all beaten puppies after the Snyder experience, today was very calming mm-hmm. to not have his name come up one time from any of these quarterbacks.
2: Well, the Adam Schefter report that dominated the early part of the show, I I was upset about. It. Um, not to the point where I'm like angry at anybody. I just said, hey, I disagree with this, right? I'm still very in on the Josh Harris ownership group, et cetera, because Schefter was saying he's actively involved. He's asking questions. He's taking the time to do this. No other owners there, and here's uh, you know here's Josh Harris, helping conduct the interviews, and I'm going change his name to David Tepper, change his name to Mark Davis, or uh, you know uh, Jimmy Haslam or any of the other guys. You would go, no, that's terrible. We like it because we like Josh Harris, right? And people making excuses. He paid six point oh five billion. Well, Dan Snyder paid one billion. Did you want him in interviews? Now, the clarification. I thought I saw Sam Fortier. I saw others now say he actually was just there observing and learning. My tune has totally changed. That's great. I love that. I love that he wants to be uh, to, to see how, how these sorts of things go, to learn about what everybody's doing so that he can ask helpful questions down the line. That's what leadership is. The story I told a GP, and I'll, and I'll turn it back over to you here, years ago when I was a, a, a DOD contractor, right, I remember there was a big decision that had to be made. And rest assured, I had nothing to do with that decision. I was just sort of there in a support role. I took notes for, for one of the people that I was working for. But this guy that was in charge of this huge multi-million dollar operation that was going to decide a massive thing for thousands of people and their families, okay? They're going. He's going back and forth. He's basically doing a cross examination of every single person in that room to get the best data, to get the best opinion, the best information out of them. And I and I remember being really taken with that as a great sign of leadership, right? Where he trusts all these people. But he's trying to get the best out of them to try to, you know, to make the most informed, best decision possible. That sounds to me like what Josh Harris is doing, right? Where you get as much information as possible so that later on in the room when it's like, okay, make your case for Daniels, make your case for May, make your case for Williams, make your case for trading back. We can make the most informed, best practical decision possible. So I love that.
1: Yeah, I want to give some thoughts on this. Uh, I was out, missed most of the discourse yesterday, but it sounds like we disagree uh, on a couple of things, and we will get into that as we go. But we actually have breaking news we've got to hit right now, and it's big news on the commander's front, so let's get to it. Breaking news on the fan brought to you by Beat the Streak for tips to win a $5.6 million prize. Listen wherever you get your podcast. The commanders have informed starting left tackle Charles Leno that they are releasing him according to Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Charles Leno being released. He is scheduled for hip surgery next week, which is not something that I had heard publicly. Don't know how serious that hip surgery is going to be. But he's entering the final year of his deal, Danny. Again, breaking news right now, into 106.7, the fan, according to Ian Rappaport, the commanders have informed Charles Leno going into his 33-year-old season that he will not be back with the team. His base salary was going to be $11 million. Uh, He was going to count pretty sizably $15.5 million against their cap, Mm -hmm. which is a huge, huge number, Uh, not for a starting left tackle by any means. That's actually still kind of a a bargain if you have a really good left tackle. But for a guy who has been pretty average – uh, going back to last season, I didn't think he was one of their bigger problems on the offensive line, but it hasn't been a strength. His cap number was jumping up from about $6.5 million last season to $15.5 million this year. So if you look at you know the uh, ramifications, you're going to save sizable money. Now there's going to be uh, upwards of $8 million maybe in dead cap, depending on how they end up doing this release. Right. But they will save cap space, and now they've opened up the left tackle spot presumably to be filled either by way of free agency or the draft.
2: This is one of the ones that, that made sense to me. It's the cruel, horrible business of football. What did that guy do wrong? You know what I mean? Just a, a literally a great dude as recognized by, uh, you know, Man of the Year nominations and all the charity work that he did and how you know awesome he was coming on with us and dealing with folks in the media and the like, really, really good person. Uh, an awesome dude and solid here. Outperformed the expectation, quite frankly. Kind of anchored that left side, and I know a lot of fans, you know, Sort of, I think you could see it a lot more like a left tackle that maybe on an island sometimes where he gets beat and it makes him look terrible. But you know, I I would take him over a lot of guys in this league. Pretty, pretty good here, you know, and again, outperformed what people's expectations were. But this made sense to me, quite frankly. Um, it's, it's again, it's the unfortunate part of the business, but that cap number is big. You mentioned a dead cap hit, you still have seven million in savings potentially if you rolled it over post June 1st. You could split that dead cap number up a little bit. You could save $11 million this year. Not that they're up against it, but it's just an option. It uh, depends on how they do it. But It's not I like, something
1: I would do because they're not going to spend space. all their money. Yeah, you got space. And so, they've got so much cap space. Yeah, I like
2: doing it now, by the way, to, to, to do right by the veteran.
1: Yeah, so here's a couple of things on Charles Leno. He would have been their fourth highest paid player against the cap. This season, so it's McLaurin cap number of twenty four point one, Deron Payne twenty one point six mil, Allen twenty one point four mil. Those are the three guys that got extended into those second contracts that were their draft picks under uh, Ron Rivera. Charles Leno at 15.5 mil is one of the few wins, if you want to call it that, for the Rivera era. Remember, they signed him right. when the Bears had released him late in free agency, brought him in on what at the time was a discount deal. He then got a second contract. So with him off the books, and again, you mentioned some of the numbers here, but the dead money's $8.2 million. They have so much cap space this year. $87 million is what it's being speculated at in some places. I think the because they don't have 51 guys signed on their roster and you've got to have your savings for your draft class of 10-plus players eventually, you know the effective cap space is closer to between 70 and $75 million. But Adam Peters told us they're not going to spend all of their cap space anyway. So you probably just take your dead money now, get it out of the way, yeah. so that's financially prudent. You don't have to worry about it in the future. They still save on this year's cap space, though, seven point three million dollars. Right. Like they just created more cap space. Obviously you've also created a hole at left tackle where we presumed one of the two tackles, at least, if not both, was going to be replaced. Well now you know that Leno is certainly not coming back on the left side. The right tackle's Andrew Wiley, who now becomes their fourth highest paid player, believe it or not, after his free agent deal last year. In terms of cap numbers for twenty twenty four, McLaurin, Payne and Allen Gold, silver, and bronze. With Leno out, now it's Wiley and then Logan Thomas. And Thomas is another name to watch here, whose cap number is about $8.3 million. The tight end position is not a strength for them, so you could certainly keep him around. But he's been uh, pillaged by injuries the last couple of years. There would be very little dead money, about $1.8 million if they moved on from him. And they could save about $6.5 million in cap space if they wanted to make that decision. But some of the names, if you look at it, Danny, in Mm -hmm. terms of who the guys that take up the majority of their cap are behind McLaurin, Payne, and Allen, all guys that there are questions about their roles moving forward, right? It's Charles Leno, who they're releasing, according to NFL Network. Andrew Wiley, coming off of a really disappointing season. Logan Thomas, a couple of years in a row where his production has waned. Nick Gates, they signed him to be the starting center, he got benched last year is scheduled to make close to 5.7 mil against the cap jamin Davis who has not performed the way they wanted as a former first round pick you know that's what the top of their uh, market looks like in terms of who they're shelling out cash to
2: so the, the you kind of pointed to this it all sort of depends here on on what you'd like to do in terms of I would move on again I like Logan Thomas a lot too very similar in my feelings about Charles Leno both great dudes but I would make that Cap space available to me. But you also, you sort of flip it, you go, well, what are they going to do with it? Right? I mean, Adam Peters already told us, and you know they're not going to overspend. They're not going to go right up against the cap. And maybe they, they, whether you can argue whether they should or shouldn't. But the opportunity certainly is there to, you know, inject new life and have new personnel uh, in a lot of spots. It just means that you've got to really get shopping. It just means that you've got, you know, you're creating more needs. And I think it's the prudent thing to do to frankly, not, 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 without without a better term, they're going to keep pruning uh, the hedges here, right? Where if you, if you have a guy that is probably overpriced and isn't going to perform that way, especially if, if that report is true, that Leno's going to come up and have hip surgery here coming out. You said, we believe his play is declining. This is not going to be worth it. You just do that even if you don't have anybody else right now this minute, right? Like you just want to keep that practice of moving on from guys maybe a little bit early or when you know that they're, production is not going to meet the expectation in the salary and it's affordable for you to move on then you just do that
1: yeah you mentioned it's it's kind to get a deal like this done and out of the way if you're going to be cutting him why wait you know let him know early help him get into the market the hip surgery obviously clouds things for him as you mm-hmm. referenced but it also is indicative of the fact that they're about to go to work on this offensive line a year after Rivera and the Martys neglected to do so, to the extent that they needed to, the first big move made this offseason by this group, the first hallmark kind of newsworthy decision to cut their left tackle and start over on the offensive line at one of the most important positions up front. I think that should tell you a lot. We're going to get into the quarterback class talking today. That's where we're going to begin the show in just a bit. But let's open up the MGM National Harbor listener lines for – Reactions to Charles Leno being released and what you think this signifies about how aggressive the commanders might be in trying to fix this offensive line. We'll do that next on Grant and Danny.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
1: Thanks to Toby for the update. You just heard the breaking news if you're jumping in the car over these last few minutes. We brought to you here on 106.7 The Fan about 15 minutes ago. Charles Leno has been informed that he's being released by the Commanders. Finished last year on injured reserve. Did play in 47 of 51 games in his three years here. With Washington and not all of those games missed were via injury remember he dealt with a devastating loss in his family at one point in time that kept him off the field but he's going to be 33 years old this year apparently dealing with a hip problem that's going to require surgery the commanders decided that the first big move they're making this offseason was to create over seven million more dollars in cap space I think they'll incur That entire $8 million dead cap hit this year. If I had to guess, yeah, me too. Rather than spreading it out just because they've got nothing but space. But here's where I'm really interested about this, and we'll get your reactions in just a moment. MGM National Harbor Listener Lines open, 800-636-1067. Danny, here's where I'm thinking, and follow me wherever you want to. Mm -hmm. You're taking a quarterback at two, likely. We'll talk as the day goes on about the possibility of, of a trade back. And if they were to do that, then all of a sudden, you know, one of the great tackles in the draft is available in the back end of the top 10, uh, if that's the route they choose to go in. But let's just hypothetically say that the most likely outcome is the one that they execute and they take a quarterback at two. You damn sure better have a really good left tackle if you're drafting Jaden Daniels or Drake May at number two overall. You you better. And whether that's in free agency where they've got all the money to spend or in the draft at 36 or 40, they've got to get a left tackle. So I think what they've got to figure out is, am I able to get a left tackle that I really like, that I trust, to protect the blind side of the guy that's going to make or break my organization with the 36th pick early in round two or the 40th pick early in round two? Because if the answer is yes, they like the tackle class enough that one of the guys that's going to be there they think can play on the left side, then no harm, no foul, you move on from Leno, you bring in a young left tackle that's cheaper, and you got your answer. But if you don't think you can do that, then they have to do one of two things, Danny. They have to then go spend in a very mediocre tackle market and get a guy early in free agency, or they're going to have to trade up from that 36-40 range To wherever they think they need to, to get your hallmark bookend tackle to go with that quarterback, because this is not wide receiver or corner or inside linebacker. You can't be playing games with your quarterback that you're taking number two overall.
2: Hundred percent agree. It puts an extra layer of pressure, and I don't disagree with the move. By the way, again, it's the ugly business of football. It's the it's it's the part where no one did anything wrong, and you just kind of have to you know uh, cringe and and go on to the next thing. But they needed to upgrade there, I think, especially with, as you said, going on injured reserve, possibly, you know, maybe losing a half step for some of the speed rushers that they have to face. You're not you can't mess around with this. I, I've said going into this offseason, I want four new offensive linemen. I would love three. I'll settle for two. Well, they just kind of made it so that. You know at least one of these couple uh, or three who, who it's going to be, that they got to upgrade that spot. I don't think the situation, solution is coming internally, but you're right. It puts a bit of extra pressure and a bit more premium on either hitting in free agency or, as you said, move, maneuvering around the board uh, to, to find your franchise future left tackle, kind of pairing him with that quarterback.
1: To me, this feels, though, like an acknowledgement that they got some work to do on the offensive line. Agreed. And people will read this however they want to, I'm sure. I don't know that this is an indictment on how Leno played. Maybe it is. But the fact is, and I didn't know about the hip surgery that's looming or how serious it is, but he's going to be 33. He's coming off hip surgery, and he was about to make $16 million, and they think they could probably replace him for cheaper than that and not have to worry about a 33-year-old going into a final year of a deal uh, coming off hip surgery. So last year at this time, this group kind of hung on to – their incumbent starters, and went out and brought in Andrew Wiley, who really struggled, and Nick Gates, and it was not close to good enough. This gives me hope that there's an acknowledgement, unlike there was last year with Sam Howell at this time, that if I'm going the route of a young quarterback, I better get this right. I better fix this. But it it just ups the the importance – it ups the ante a little bit on the gamble you're playing here with a known commodity who was serviceable. This was a very solid average to tick above average maybe, but we'll just say middle-of-the-pack you know, offensive tackle that they just moved on from. And maybe he wouldn't have been that after hip surgery at 33 and they viewed him you know, moving forward as a slightly below-average option. Not sure, but you've gone from commodity that you knew what he was that mm-hmm. wasn't going to get your guy banged up or hurt to now an opening at one of the most important positions on any football team. But, Danny, it's especially important for a team that's drafting a young quarterback. I mean, how often do we talk about when a QB is taken in the top five? First questions you ask are what weapons are around them, who are the tackles on that offensive line, right?
2: Without a doubt. I mean, you're you're, you're hitching a lot to that wagon. And my point forever, as they've – uh, you know, had barren cupboards, I, I've argued, multiple times over for young signal callers, is this needs to be better than you would make it on a normal roster. If that makes any sense, right? If you've got a quarterback that can cover for something, you have to make sacrifices. If you have Pat Mahomes, you probably can't have a great right guard. You, you probably can't have a, a great third receiver because he's going to cost a lot of money, and he should because he's incredible. You've got to make sacrifices someplace. You don't for a rookie quarterback. You go all out to put all the safety blankets, all the possible outlets, all the weaponry, all the the pass catching running backs and great uh pass pro running backs and every left tackle, you find me the greatest that money can buy, you spare no expense. Because A, you've got a cheap rookie quarterback, but B, to give that guy a chance to grow into somebody who doesn't need it anymore. Right? I'm not saying you don't you, you want to go without an offensive line. You, you don't want to skip on that always, but eventually, if you if it goes according to plan and he's making God knows what, in five, six, seven years, right, <laughs> what these quarterback salaries will be. If he's making $74 bucks a year in five seasons, yeah, you might not be able to have a Pro Bowl Peter at every spot on the offensive line. You'll have to make a, a, a skimp somewhere. But to get there, you better make a safety blanket.
1: You got a left tackle now who's been released in a hole at the position and a right tackle who, for the second time in as many seasons, gave up nine sacks last year on Andrew Wiley according to PFF. So there is work to be done. Could you be okay with them sticking with Andrew Wiley at right tackle if they spend money and or bring in a pick at 36 at left tackle and then upgrade the interior? Because if you look at as the year went on last year for what it's worth, Wiley's numbers improved. In the end, and PFF grades can be whatever they are. I just kind of use them as, you know, one way to look at line play. But He ended up, by the end of the season, grading out fairly well as a pass and run blocker according to some of their metrics. Now, if you look at the the first half of the season, it was pretty ugly. But did he show enough, as the year went on, for you to feel like the former Eastern Michigan Eagle can be counted on at right tackle? Because I would like to upgrade from him. I would try to. But I think if, if you have a new left tackle, a new left guard, and a new center, and then on the right side it's Cosme and Wiley again. I think that still could work, even if it's not what everybody wants to hear. Yeah,
2: mm. uh, that that'd be tough for a lot of fans, including one named Danny Rouye, to swallow, having Wiley involved in any other way. I mean, you can't move on from him because of his contract. You can you can do it after this year, you can move on, but it would be it'd be pointless to cut him because well, so would, the dead would cat you money.
1: kick him into guard?
2: <sighs> I, I'd make him my swing tackle, my rotational backup Billy. I I would I I really want to upgrade. Those bookends, I can get, and my, the the priorities for me are, was was one right tackle to upgrade, two maybe one a was center, and then three I was hoping for somebody better than Leno, and then four maybe a left guard happens that's great, but my priority was was that tackle spot. I want to do a lot better than Andrew Wiley. Now again, scheme wise, I have no do do we have any idea if he fits with what Kingsbury wants to do. I, I don't know. You, that, I mean, it's, we, we got the sense he fit with what enemy wanted to do in the first half of the season. He was terrible. So I don't well, know. Well, but
1: here's the problem. We don't know what Kingsbury wants to do. Right. Really. I mean, I know. frankly. So uh, until we get an answer to that or we see it, it's it's hard to forecast that. I just like that it feels to me when you make this move this decisively this early, it, it tells you that they're working over there. They got a plan. They have a plan. I, th- I thought the last group waited too long to do everything. You know, like – Are they going to release Leno? Are they going to release Logan Thomas? They would be the 29th team to start doing it. And the fact that today they're kind of ahead of it on March 1st, still 10 days out from the start of the league year, uh, they're getting the ball rolling, which I like to see. Grant and Danny with you on the fan. We were going to start with the quarterbacks talking at the Combine today. They all gave thoughts on their meetings with Washington's brass. Let's get into that as we continue next right here on the fan. Grant and Danny with you on the fan. Welcome back. Thank you for making the show part of your day. The Commanders are releasing Charles Leno. That is the news of the afternoon. But let's get into what we were going to start the show with, which is the fact that it was the day that quarterbacks are talking at the Combine. Day. 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 And our first opportunity to see those guys asked, you know about their meetings with Washington, and I mentioned last hour I was uh, really excited about the fact that none of them mentioned Josh Harris. Uh, right before the Leno news broke, you were talking, you know, about your take on the Harris thing, and I just wanted to circle back to that mm-hmm. for a minute. So, y- you took Schefter's report as he was heavily involved, or you said like part of the interviews. I I didn't read it that way. Now he said. Uh, Just reading what he wrote, Harris has sat in and taken part in each of the six interviews that the team has conducted with the top quarterback prospects in this draft. I didn't take that to mean he's talking or asking questions or, you know, he is running the meeting. Taking part just means he's there, right? He's present. So I just assumed he was kind of chilling there watching Adam Peters cook, one of the reasons I didn't care. The other thing you said that I wanted to respond to and and see what you think. You said, like, How would people feel if this was Tepper or Dan Snyder? And that's what everyone that didn't like my take yesterday has asked me. Well, you're just saying this because you like Josh Harris. Maybe. You're just saying that you're defending him. No, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. The idea that I should treat him the same way I would Dan Snyder is ridiculous. Dan Snyder robbed 10 banks. I'm going to be skeptical when he walks into a bank with a mask on. But just because Josh Harris is doing banking doesn't mean he's robbing banks. If your spouse cheated when you were told that they were staying late for work, that doesn't mean that your next lover, when they have a proposal due and has to stay late for work, which is a common normal thing, is also cheating. So yes, David Tepper has been proven to be a meddling poor owner. Dan Snyder has been proven to be a meddling, annoying, draft-taking-over, pick-demanding owner. I should feel a different way about him. Josh Harris has not. So why why should I have an ire raised or treat him and people are like, oh, what would you say if it was Dan Snyder? Oh, you mean what, what would I say if the person who's been convicted of the crime several times over is a person of interest versus someone who has no convictions on their rap sheet? I just think that that analogy doesn't work for me at all
2: uh it works tremendously for me i don't want the owner making any kind of decision when it comes to that i want him to be a leader and and a sounding board but we have football people for that
1: so but he's not who said he's making any decisions I think everyone can agree he's not going to... Nobody wants him to make decisions in other
2: Right. Words. Well, I mean, this is all moot because he was sitting there passively and just observing. But, it, but my is point great, is that
1: that should have been, the like, the assumption initially. I, I he don't he see literally he could, said I don't see you could read Schefter's
2: tweet and say that he wasn't participating. It, he literally says that he's, he's there. He's, he's taking part. Yeah, taking part. Meaning he's in the meeting. Yeah, like taking part, active. It's, it's an, an active thing. Now, that's been contradicted by multiple reports, and I... I Choose those over this one. But let me ask you yeah. a
1: question. If we have a pre show meeting and the four of us are sitting there talking about the show and I'm in it, it would not be odd to say I'm taking part in the meeting. That doesn't suggest anything to do with what I'm doing in the meeting. I'm saying I understand that you took something, you took it one way. I think it's perfectly reasonable to take it the way I did, which was when I heard that taking part, he is present, he is involved, he is there, he's at the meeting. So there's a difference.
2: The key sentence to me, it's a poorly constructed one. And again, this is all, I keep saying this, it's all moot because it's been proven, I guess or it's been reported different than this. Josh Harris has sat in. That's what you're talking about. If he's just sitting in, he sat in. He has sat in and taken part. That That is a bigger thing than just sitting in. Like if our big boss here, not even like CK, but above, above, some like regional GM came and sat in and listened to how you and I talked to each other before the show, if they just said the word sat in, that means they're in the room while well, that's happening, which can be, by the way, a presence and kind of hovering around can can be something, but I don't really care about that if it's just informational. Taken part of is a totally different animal, and it's a it's an active thing as opposed to a passive thing. So I'm going, I, just as a principle, it's, it's a ball or a strike. I want my owner to go, you, empowered football person, you guys got it. Totally. And I found out after the fact, after, you know, Talking about this for for ninety minutes. Hey, there's a there's a different angle here. He was just sitting there passively. Where I'm going? Oh, great! That's awesome. Good for him. It's information gathering, and I respect the hell out of it.
1: Yeah, I think it's important for him to learn football. Mm-hmm. If he is, he should not just not know anything about the game that he just in, you know bought a team in, and he said as much. I mean, I also think it's important to remember if you go back. A couple of months ago, he suggested he's going to be involved in at meetings, and mm-hmm. he's going to be trying to learn. And the the best way to do that is to be there. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that's the difference. Is when I read that, I thought, okay, that that's not weird to me that the brand new owner is getting his first chance to attend a combine and see what it's all about. And oh, by the way, his team is making massive decision on the quarterback. Owners are always going to be involved at the GM, the head coach, the quarterback level. You know whether people want. The you know every player on the team every position to be treated differently or the same like quarterbacks always going to be treated a little bit differently, but as you said as the day went on hopefully people's nerves were quelled a little bit and I think all the quarterbacks talking today every one of them asked about the commanders meetings not one of them mentioning Josh Harris every one of them mentioning Quinn mm-hmm. and Pritchard and Peters and some of the other people there should make them feel better hundred percent. The, the one thing I did, you know, keep having people say yesterday as I was laying, uh, just thinking I would never feel good again in my in my bed, <laughs> was, you know, why on earth would you not care about this? You would be killing Dan Snyder. Well, no kidding, man. The guy who I know wouldn't just be sitting there quietly. Being at a meeting is not a problem, has never been a problem. Being at a meeting and saying, draft this quarterback, is the problem, and Harris told you he was going to be at the meetings. He told you he's go- not going to be an absentee owner. There's also no precedent, really, in his other sports of him being meddling and demanding and, and making his teams do anything. So I-, I didn't have much problem with it. But I want to get into what we found out today about those meetings with those quarterbacks. And also, Danny, I don't know if you saw this. Ben Standig wrote in The Athletic today about uh-huh. the possibility of a trade back. You know, the lack of a left tackle makes that column, I think, even a little bit more interesting a gasoline today. on that flame, maybe? Let's uh, dive into that next on G&D here on The Fan.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.